Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. Have your Bibles with you. Turn them open to Colossians chapter 4. Julie is bringing to us the conclusion of our Greater Than series this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter 4. We're going to be reading from verse 7 down to the end of the chapter. Colossians chapter 4. It'll be on the screens if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning. Colossians chapter 4. Tychius will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for all those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, See that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Thanks, Roger. There were some doozy names there, wasn't there? <laughs> Just as well, Roger was up today reading that. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? Good we're good. Feeling a bit warmer now that we've got the heaters on. I don't know if I'm showing my age, but when I was a girl, I had a pen pal. Hands up if you know what I'm talking about. A few people. Kids. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say a pen pal? Anyone here know what I'm talking about? Few kids do, excellent. So back in my day, this is making me feel really old, I used to get a paper and a pen and write my letter to my pen pal. I would fold it up, 
put it in an envelope, write the address, put the stamp on, and back in those days, you had to also put an airmail stamp on, and then I would send it to my pen pal because she lived all the way over in Canada. And I enjoyed writing to Kelly in Canada because I found out all about life in Canada. She would tell me about her friends and the things that she used to do, and I would tell her about life in Australia. And sometimes, the thing I liked the most, I must admit, was when she used to send me packages. She would send me bubble gum and a, and a candy and all these treats from where she lived, and I would send back treats from Australia. So we got to know each other by writing letters. And it was, it was a good relationship, though I didn't live in Canada, I'd never been to Canada, I got to know what it was like. We've been in a series called Greater Than, as Roger had said, and we've been journeying through this book of Colossians. And as we get to the end of chapter 4, which is the end of the book of Colossians, we are reminded that this is a letter. In fact, in my Bible, this section is entitled Final Greetings. And that's what it is. Paul is, is closing off his letter. So just like when I wrote to my pen pal and I would tell her all about my life and then I would close it off, Paul is mentioning here all the people that are serving alongside him and he's sending greetings to the ones that he knows. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get to these parts in my Bible, I can very easily just kind of skim over because they're filled with all of these weird names and it doesn't feel like it's important or that it's relevant to me. It's a bit like when you read a novel and you get to the end and then the author writes author acknowledgements and they start thanking all the people that helped them write the novel. Hands up if you ever read that section. Really? Well, I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I do, but not always. It, do it doesn't always seem relevant, does it? But I got to wonder about this passage. Could there be anything for us here today out of all of these names? It's filled with all sorts of names. And I must admit, as I was reading, I started to have this song going through my head. Now, this is not unusual for me because I often have songs running through my head. But does anyone know the song that goes? We're all in this together. You've heard that one before from High School Musical. That's what I had running through my head. Because we see that Paul, even though he's under house arrest, even though he's imprisoned, he doesn't know when he's going to be released, he is not alone. He is surrounded by all of these people. There is Tychicus. Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, Jesus, who's called Justice, Epaphras, Luke, and Demas. They are all teammates. They're serving in God's mission together. They're sacrificing together, giving together, praying with each other. They're working together, supporting and encouraging each other. And how important it would have been um, for Paul when he was in prison, when he was limited in what he could do, when he couldn't leave the building, when he couldn't go and visit these churches that he longed to visit. But he had these people around him who could share the ministry with him, who could encourage him and pray not only for him, but for the churches that he was writing to. 
We recently had our school holiday program, Epic Explorers, and it was so good to see so many volunteers serving God alongside each other together, from our junior leaders all the way through to our older ones who did the most yummiest baking and who prayed. It was a great team effort. And in fact, at Whitehill, that is how we do ministry. We do it in teams. We have our worship team. We have a connect team, a tech team, our kids ministry team, youth team, young adults team. We have so many teams. And why do we do that? Because... We're all in this together. You're going to have this song in your head when you go home today. (laughs) We serve God together. There's no room for a solo act here. We are co-workers in God's mission together. So today, I want to look at three of these very strange names that Paul lists here and just see what God has for us today. One of the first people that Paul mentions in this last passage as he's closing off his letter is a man called Tychicus. Now, I don't know if that's how you actually say his name. I'm not a Greek person, but I'm going to call him Tychicus. Now, we don't read a lot about Tychicus. He is not a main player in the Bible. He's mentioned only about five times, and most of those times are just in passing. But as Paul ends off his letter to the Colossians, he mentions him here. In verse 7 it says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. So Paul describes Tychicus firstly as a dear brother. They were brothers, not because they were related by blood, but because they were both adopted into God's family when they chose to give their lives to Jesus. They became family. And Paul is also adding that word of endearment. He is a dear brother. You can hear the love and the devotion between them. They were close. They were mates. And if you've trusted and committed your life to Jesus, then you are a part of God's family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. But would we consider our brothers and sisters to be dear to us? Do we love each other or like, do we just tolerate each other sometimes? It sounds like Paul and Tychicus, they loved each other. They knew each other well. People become more dear to you when you know them well, when you know their story, when you've served alongside them, been in the trenches together, so to speak. That means that it is important to get to know our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially the ones that God has placed us with here at Whitehill. So how can we do that? There's a couple of ways, first of all, is the obvious one, and that's serving together. When you serve on a team together, you get to know each other. I get to see a lot of teams in action here at Whitehill, and it was so lovely. The other week, we had prime timers here, and our prime timers team was in action. They were setting up for prime timers. The chairs and the tables were out. The morning tea was ready, and then they sat down, and they were praying together, praying for those who were coming along. They were in the trenches together, dear brothers and sisters serving God together. 
If you aren't serving in a team, I can highly recommend it as a way to grow closer to others, to get to know other people, and to work together for God's mission. The second way we, be, we can become more dear to each other is to get to know each other. It seems obvious, doesn't it? And one way to do this is to join a life group. We gather together on a Sunday once a week here as the church who meets at Whitehill. And we worship, we share communion, we pray together, we hear God's word, and we have conversations together. But there's only a certain level of depth that can happen in those conversations on a Sunday. It's so easy to just have small talk, surface conversations. But in a life group, you have a chance to really allow others to know you and for you to know them. They can pray for you. They can support you in the circumstances of life. You can grow together as you live out your faith and you can serve God together. Life groups are an integral part of our community here at Whitehill. And if you're not a part of a life group yet, can I encourage that this could be a next step for you? We have existing groups that have some spaces, but a special thing we're gonna try this term is to have a pop-up group. And it's gonna happen after um, the Sunday service starting on the 31st of July, just for an hour and a half. So if you've never tried a life group before, if you don't know what they're like, you're welcome to just come along and have a try. It runs fortnightly after the service, after the 9 a.m. service, so you're very welcome to join. And you can come and chat to me after the service if you'd like to do that. The other way is what Roger mentioned before, we have our courses that are running. Our Emotionally Healthy Relationships course is starting in a week's time, Tuesday the 19th, and it runs for eight weeks. And you'll be put, if you wanna do that course, you'll be put at a table with a small group of people, the same group for the whole eight weeks. So you get to know these people, you get to hear their stories, and it's a great way to grow together. If you want to do that, come and chat to me after the service. So Paul describes Tychicus as a dear brother. The second way he describes Tychicus is as a faithful minister. He is a minister, someone who is working for God, someone who is telling the good news of Jesus. Now, it's not just pastors who are ministers. We are all called to ministry and to minister to others. That means we are all called to serve. We are all called to proclaim God's news and tell the story of Jesus Christ. We, are, in fact, are commanded to tell this in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. We are invited to minister in God's mission here on earth. And Paul describes Tychicus as not just a minister, but as a faithful minister. To be faithful means to be dependable, to be someone that others can rely on, someone who sees something through to the end, someone who doesn't give up midway, but who follows through. Tychicus was faithful. He was someone who Paul could depend upon. So when it came to the important task of delivering this letter to the churches, who better than someone who had proved himself faithful? We don't hear or read about Tychicus preaching or leading, 
But God had gifted Tychicus in other ways, which was very necessary to God's mission. And Tychicus was literally doing what was in his hands. He was delivering the mail. And he was faithful in that. How do I know? Because 2,000 years later, we get to read the words that he delivered. He would have had no idea how his faithful serving would transform thousands of lives from then until now. He was just doing what God had given him to do. No fanfare, no spotlight. Sometimes we want the big thing. We want God to reveal to us what we need to do for our lives. Like it's a big revelation and we're waiting for that before we do anything. But Tychicus shows us that it's being faithful in the small things that actually end up being the big things that counts. Previously, we read in Colossians 3 and 17, whatever you do, whether in work or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What has God asked you to be faithful in? What's in your hands? It might seem small and insignificant, but when we offer that to God, he is faithful to take our little and multiply it and use it in his kingdom to transform people's lives. This is who Tychicus was. No wonder Paul loved him. Do people describe you as someone who's faithful? Are you dependable? Can people rely on you? Does your yes mean yes? Or do your feelings or circumstances dictate your follow through? We are called to be faithful ministers, living out the gospel wherever God puts us, in our family, our neighborhood, our church, our workplace, wherever we go. Paul also describes Tychicus as a fellow servant. They worked alongside each other, and it wasn't that Paul was the boss and Tychicus was the employee, but they worked alongside each other for the same cause, to tell others about Jesus Christ. They were co-workers in God's mission. Have any of you been watching the latest series of MasterChef? I got sucked into it a little bit this year, and I don't watch it all the time, but I particularly love the elimination rounds. It's highly stressful, because the competitors have to complete a dish in a set time frame. So it's not only stressful for them, but it's stressful for everyone watching them. But it's interesting to me that when someone gets eliminated from the competition, everyone is in tears, including the judges. It seems like they forget that it's actually a competition. Julie Goodwin, who was the first winner of MasterChef years ago, said, I know it's just a cooking show. But in the process, we have formed relationships with this, these people. They are like family. It's like we're on the same team, and it's so hard to say goodbye. They have this common love, and for them, that's cooking. They get to know each other as they cook alongside each other. They form relationships, and they have this experience together that strengthens the bonds of their friendship. Paul describes Tychicus as a fellow servant. They had a common love. It wasn't cooking, it was Jesus. 
and they had grown to know each other through their shared experience of serving God together, through their fellowship together. Fellowship is not just something we do. Fellowship is something that we are. We belong together. We grow in community with others. When we serve together, we are on the same team with the same goal. We serve God together. We are all in this together. You'll be singing it with me by the end. <laughs> God has gifted each one of us to serve. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Do you know how God has gifted you? When you became a follower of Jesus, you were given spiritual gifts to use to serve each other. If I asked you what your spiritual gifts are, would you be able to tell me? That's good, <laughs> he knows. These spiritual gifts, they start in seed form and they need to be developed in our lives. And at White Hill, we wanna support you in understanding how God has uniquely shaped you to serve him. And we run a course called SERVE. And in SERVE, we look at this word called SHAPE. It's an acronym. S is for spiritual gifts. How has God gifted you? H is for your heart or your passions, the things that you love. A is for your abilities or the skills that you've learnt. P is your personality, and E is your experiences. All the things that you've experienced in life, none of that is wasted. God uses every part of it. We are all necessary in the body of Christ. We are not just believers, we are belongers. We belong to each other, we are fellow servants. So where are you serving? Are you serving in the right place? If you're unsure, can I encourage you to register for our next serve course, which happens next Sunday after the 9 a.m. service, just for two hours. We'll have some morning tea together and we'll go through and work out where you are gifted to serve in the body of Christ. Lastly, Paul also describes Tychicus as an encourager. Verse eight says, I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Everyone needs encouragement. Encouragement lifts our spirits. It helps us to keep going when times are hard. It refreshes our outlook. As we serve together, we can easily get discouraged. When things are going wrong or things are not going the way we thought they would, how wonderful to have someone who encourages us, who sees the good, who sees the potential in us and who sees what God is doing when we can't. We have some wonderful encouragers here at White Hill and I'm often blessed with an email or a note from people encouraging me. You can be that person for others. Instead of being the one who focuses on what is wrong or complains about what is not right, be the person that lifts others up, that encourages their hearts. Perhaps in conversation, in prayer, in a letter or a note, an email or a text. Who can you encourage today? This was how Tychicus was described, a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant, 
and an encourager. Which of those ones resonated with you this morning? Another person that Paul mentions is a man called Mark. Not such a strange name. We have some Marks in our community here at Whitehill. Verse 10, it says, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you greetings, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. So all Paul says to the Colossians is that they've received some instructions from him about Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And the expectation from Paul is that they are to welcome him. So why is this significant? Well, it's significant because Paul did not always have a good relationship with Mark. In the book of Acts, we read that Paul and Barnabas were commissioned by the church there to take the gospel out to the surrounding country. And as they went, they took this young Mark with them as a helper. And Mark traveled with them through the island of Cyprus. But when they left the island to continue their journey, Mark left them and went back home, went back home to Jerusalem. No explanation was given as to why he left, but he just up and left in the middle of the missionary trip. Mark's next appearance came when Paul and Barnabas were preparing to go out on their second missionary journey. Barnabas wanted to take Mark again, but what did Paul do? He said, no way, Jose. And this led to them having this huge Barney, this huge fight, and they, they separated into two teams. Barnabas took Mark and returned to Cyprus, while Paul and Silas went to Syria. And that's the last that we hear of Mark in the book of Acts. But while Mark may have disappeared from the story in the book of Acts, it wasn't the end of his story. In both Colossians and the book of Philemon, Paul sends greetings from Mark. We don't know what reason what Mark's reason was for leaving Paul and Barnabas on their first trip. But clearly, it did not sit well with Paul. And for a time, Paul clearly felt that Mark was not a trustworthy companion to take on a trip. But over the years, things changed. There had obviously been a reconciliation that had occurred, and Mark obviously had proved himself faithful, and he, in fact, became a co-worker to Paul. You know, we are all fallible. We all make mistakes. And I'm sure all of us have let each other down at some stage. And it's hard when we serve God together in teams to have people that say they will do something and then they don't follow through. Or say they will look after something and then they don't and let others down. It's frustrating. But we don't write people off completely. We need to journey through a time of reconciliation and we need to give others a chance to prove that they are faithful, starting with small things until their faithfulness grows. In 2 Timothy 4.11, which is towards the end of Paul's life, he instructed Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Mark became a valuable part of God's mission and Paul's ministry. We need to be people who allow others another chance to grow in faithfulness. Perhaps you've been someone who've let other people down in the past. It doesn't disqualify you from ministry. 
but there needs to be a process of reconciliation, a chance to say sorry to those you've let down. Trust needs to be developed again, and approving of faithfulness needs to occur. And as you prove faithful, you may be surprised of how God uses you in his mission. The last person I want to point out today is a man called Epaphras. In verse 12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the, all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. I don't know how to say that word, Heropolis. Epaphras is a wonderful example of someone who is a prayer warrior. It says that he is always wrestling in prayer. This sounds like hard work, doesn't it? This word wrestling in the Greek is this word here, which I am not going to say, agonizemos or something. I don't speak Greek. But what do you think our English word is that we get from that word? Agonize. Agonize is the word. So he's not just going like through a prayer list mentioning people to God. He's agonizing in prayer. He's wrestling. Some versions say struggling. He's agonizing as he intercedes on their behalf. And what was he praying? What was he agonizing over? It says that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. As fellow servants, we are to pray like that for each other, not just for our everyday concerns, but praying for each other that we would grow and stand firm in our faith, that we would know the will of God for our lives, that we would become mature in our faith, and that we would live from a place of assurance, fully assured of who God is and who we are becoming in him. Jim Simbala says in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, the Bible teaches that we are always either drawing nearer to God or falling away. There is no holding pattern. That's confronting, isn't it? If you are not drawing near to God, if you are not growing, then you are falling away. We need to pray for each other that we will be intentionally drawing near to God and growing to maturity in our faith. Paul mentions Epaphras at the start of his letter as well in Colossians 1 verses 6 to 7. It says, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as, as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. Epaphras obviously loves this church that he has invested in. And his prayer from the Colossians originated from his great love for them. He prayed well because he cared well, he loved them. He loved his church family so much that he agonized in prayer for them. Have you ever agonized in prayer for someone that you love? I have found myself agonizing in prayer for my kids many times over the years as they grow and make choices for themselves that I am not in control of. 
I would wrestle in prayer for them that they would know God and would stand firm in their faith and grow in him. In order to love our church family, we have to know them. We have to invest in relationship with each other. Then we can pray. We can agonize in prayer for each other. We can pray with passion and a deep affection for each other. Praying is something that we can all do for each other, no matter how young or how old we are. And at Whitehall, we have a few ways that you can pray for others, apart from a life group that prays and supports each other. We also have people who gather before the services to pray, and you're very welcome to join them in that. We also have a wonderful prayer ministry team that um, prays after the services, and they head up into that back corner. And you're very welcome to go over there after any service. And they will encourage you. They will intercede on your behalf. They are passionate about prayer. We also have an email prayer team, and these people faithfully commit to praying for those who are going through challenges of life. And you can be a part of that as well. Perhaps you're thinking, oh, I'm not good at prayer. I really don't know how to intercede for someone else. In fact, I'm not really even sure that God even hears me when I pray. Well, next week we're starting a new series, and it's on prayer, funny enough. Prayer conversations, and we're going to unpack and explore what prayer is all about. If you were to write a letter... Who are the people that you would write about? Who are your fellow servants in God's mission? Who are your mates, the ones that you are serving alongside? Do you, you surround yourself with people who are on the same team with the same goal, serving God together? Are you growing in relationship with others? Do you have people who pray for you and encourage you? who you know and who know you and who help you to stand firm in your faith. If you don't, then you can change that. It's your move. How would someone else describe you in their letter? Would it be as a dear brother or sister, a faithful minister, a fellow servant, an encourager, someone who has proven a great help to them? a prayer warrior? If not, how are you going to change that? What is God stirring in your heart today? What is your next step? Because we're all in this together. You're going to have that song. Sorry, Francois. <laughs> but you know what? The next step is yours. No one can do it for you. We are there to support you in it. I'll be out in the foyer after the service, just at the side. If you want to register for a serve course, if you want to register for emotionally healthy relationships, if you want to find out about the pop-up life group that's happening, come and have a chat to me. But I hope that as someone thinks about you, they think about those words. Ah, oh, they're such a dear sister to me. I love serving alongside them. They've helped me and encouraged me in my faith. They're such a prayer warrior, praying for me, wrestling in prayer for me. I hope that that can describe each one of us. Let's pray. Let's just take a moment to just still our hearts.
What has God been stirring in your heart this morning? Just take a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that when we come to you, when we commit our lives to you, we become part of your family. We are not alone, but we are serving you together. Lord, I thank you for the people who call White Hill their church family. Lord, in this room are so many unique people, all shaped so differently, and yet we each are such a necessary part of your mission. I pray that you would open up to us how we can serve you well. Show us where you want us to move. How do we get to know others? How do we invest in relationships? Is it joining a life group? Is it, is it serving on a team? What is our next step, Lord? I pray that you would just stir our hearts, that you would, you would draw us into the places that you want us to be, Lord. But I pray that we would get others alongside us that would help us to stand firm in our faith, Lord. We can't do this alone. We need others around us. Help us to have people that will pray for us, to support us. Let us be that for someone else. Let us encourage someone. Pray for others. Let us lift them up to your throne. And Lord, as we serve you together in your great mission, may others' lives be transformed by the little that we do. May their lives have a chance to know healing, to know wholeness, to have a future and a hope. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done for us and I pray that we would get excited about joining you in your mission here on earth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message. And we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.